0: So, uh, this morning we're finishing up our series on a better way, uh, which is from (laughs) gospel of John chapter one, uh, one through 18. We've been focusing at length on the gifts that God has given us, the things that he has done that have given us a better way to live into a new year. Um, because if we're dependent on our own abilities and our own capacities, then we're stuck because we all know our own failings, um. So we need our source for a better way of things to come from someone who is capable, from one, the only one who is capable of giving us the gifts that we need, giving us what we need for each day. And of course, that is our Father God and the gift of Jesus Christ, his Son. So this morning, we're finishing that up. Next week, we'll begin our series for Lent. Um, Yes, Lent begins this week, uh, this week Wednesday, with Ash Wednesday. Um, We're not going to talk about Fat Tuesday and what that's all about. We're going to talk about Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is... Traditionally, it has um, been for centuries uh, a time that begins the season of Lent. Lent is the preparation time for the risen Christ. And I know that there are, you know, we're reformed from the reformed tradition here. And oftentimes, something like Ash Wednesday with ash on your forehead and thinking about, you know, what it means to prepare our hearts for the risen Christ feels very Catholic um, for some, and, and we're hesitant about some of those sorts of things. There's a, there's a lot of good stuff there. I want you to hear that. Don't be afraid to think about and wonder about. There's services. Some of you may be aware of services locally right where you work. There's oftentimes morning services that you can be a part of. Some staff members here have been a part of those sorts of things in other communities. We don't have one here, but... Um, there's, there's some good thinking about what we think about the season of Lent. How do we think about preparing our hearts for Jesus and what he has done in his resurrection? How do we think about um, uh, sort of moving away from those things that burden us and that hold us down and moving towards things that give us life and hope and freedom and all that stuff? So um, that begins this week, Wednesday, and uh, consider maybe even uh, what you might think about for the season, whether it's fasting or specifically doing some scripture memorization or the sorts of things that can help you um, move towards the time of Easter and um, the celebration of a risen Christ. This morning we're going to finish up this series though. John chapter one beginning at verse fifteen and if you want to keep your finger in that text and also flip over to Matthew chapter seven. And we'll be there from uh, verses 7 through 12. John chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 7. As we prepare to hear God's word, let's ask for his blessing in our time. God, you are just so good. And we've already received this morning the gift of the sacrament and what that means. Father, help that understanding permeate everything that we are, to get into every nook and cranny of our life, that we live in gratitude for Christ. That, Lord, if we don't know Jesus, that that is the way to hope and freedom. And, Lord, we've seen that power this morning to give us hope and a purpose. We, we pray that that truth can, can transform us and then equip us to go out from here not just to hold that truth and that life and that hope in, but to proclaim it with our lives, to let the world know that God is love, that God is light, in him there is no darkness, and that we want to be your light to the world, that people see Jesus, as we already heard about our benevolence group and what they do um, in supporting people who, who want to share love with those who need it. Father, may that be all of our lives. May all of our lives reflect the hope that we have been given in you. Father, use this, this time this morning, may I disappear, that you, your words come here and are delivered to our minds and our hearts in a way that has power to move us. We pray these things all in Jesus' name and God's people said together, amen. John chapter 1, beginning at verse uh, 15, actually we'll begin at verse 16 says there, out of his fullness, God's fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Again, good gifts of God, right? That's what we're hearing about, God giving us things that we don't deserve. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one in only Son, who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made Him known. And then over in John, uh, Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 7, it says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Thanks be to God. How many of you are or were the favorite child? By the way, not all of you can be the favorite child. <laughs> this morning it was funny because Louis Barents was sitting over here and Gordon Barents, his father, was sitting over here and Louis put up his hand and said, Look, Dad, I know I'm the favorite. It's sort of funny. I think actually uh, Gordon wrote him out, out of the will after the service or something like that. It's interesting in our family, we have three children, and each child, if you ask them, thinks another one is the favorite, which must be good parenting then, because then there's no favorites. Troy is considered the favorite because he's our only boy, and he's the youngest, and he gets whatever he wants. Katie is our oldest. She's a girl, and she's, since she's the oldest, she gets to do all these big responsible things, and, and she gets to do whatever she wants. And Cameron our middle daughter also gets to do whatever she wants because she's the responsible one so we have each child believing their favorites and Dealing with that as a parent. It's sort of one of those challenges. You do you you don't want to um, Sort of give your give your any of your kids the short stick But you also don't want to make anyone feel like you are playing favorites certainly parenting it, Good parenting isn't playing favorites, and certainly I've actually heard stories about families that have been very fractured and hurt, because parents have done that. When we look at this text of Scripture from John chapter 1, we hear about us being children, and we also hear about us being given every good gift— When we think about us as one of God's children, and we think about how much God has moved in our lives and in our hearts and redeemed us, for us to maybe even consider all of us are the favorite kids. All of you, I know I am, I've received way more grace than I could ever deserve. I've received way more forgiveness. I've received way more life and hope. I've received so many good things of God. It's hard not to believe. I must be his favorite kid. But the truth is is that we all have those stories. Those of us who know the grace of Jesus, we know God has given us so much. How can I not be one of his favorite kids? when we think about who God is and how he has given every good and perfect gift to his children, for us to think that isn't actually a bad thing. It reminds us just how special we are in the eyes of God. Now, for the Jews of Jesus' day to hear this sort of idea would have been foreign at the very least, and if not, something that they would flat out deny. Because you got to remember, these are Jews that in the time of Jesus are reading the book, uh, are reading, are hearing the story and seeing Jesus's life. Uh, they've, They've lived out the Old Testament stuff, the Old Testament prophet stuff for generations, especially the latter part of the Old Testament history. They've experienced oppression at the hands of Rome they've experienced slavery they've experienced battle they've experienced war and people coming and taking them and taking them off in enslavement they have experienced uh, poverty as a result of being oppressed by a foreign government they have experienced all these different things over their history of the last number of generations for, the, so for them to hear from John we have been given every good and perfect gift yeah right tell that to the Roman who just beat my husband. Tell that to the tax collector who just came and took away everything that I have. Now John is certainly a book for Jews, but it also is a book for Gentiles. But Gentiles would have also experienced that sort of thing. Maybe not in the same way as the Jews, but they certainly would have. He's writing to people who have been waiting for generations for the Messiah. And they certainly have to wonder. And they have to wonder a whole lot because at different times, different people were raised up who they thought were the Messiah. We actually hear about some of those people in the Gospels. We hear about this revolutionary who raised up a group and then he was crucified or then he was thrown in jail, then he was killed. We hear about, if we look at history, we hear about Loads of different times in the history of Israel when it was thought that this person will be the new leader. The new Messiah. This person will help us be liberated from the oppression of Rome. That that we'll no longer be enslaved. We'll have our own nation back. Over and over and over again they'd heard those stories. In fact, it's interesting because that's even a contemporary story. Orthodox Jews actually still are waiting for the Messiah, right? I mean, that's something they should be waiting for. If the Messiah hasn't come, they better be waiting. Well, right now, I think the last I heard, it's a guy in New York City. To Orthodox Jews is a group of people who believe that the Messiah is some Jewish Orthodox Jew in New York City. That was the last one that I read. But there were previous who came before, even in contemporary culture. These were people who had waited and thought that the Messiah had come only to have their hopes dashed. Now, now we read of Simeon in Luke chapter 2. This is a guy who had been waiting. And he was special because he had been waiting, but God had shown him you're not going to die until the Messiah shows up. And, of course, he rejoices, and we have this wonderful passage that we now call the Song of Simeon. Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for my eyes have seen thy salvation. He's one who had his hopes realized. But there were lots of others like Simeon before who thought, by the time I die, I will see the Messiah. I will see the gift of God and the Messiah come and we will be liberated and free. Rome will be gone and we will be God's people, a position to proclaim who he is to the world. And then they died. And their hopes hadn't been realized for generations You know that some of these folks who are reading the gospel, even thinking of the story of Jesus, were asking these sorts of questions. Have we been forgotten by God? Life stinks. This ain't fun. We don't like this. We've been forgotten. Are we still the chosen people? And we can ask that question in our own unique way sometimes, can't we? We wonder We wonder when cancer comes. We wonder in the midst of an ugly divorce. We wonder in the midst of challenging kids, a hard job, a business failing. We wonder in the midst of doubt and fear. We wonder in the midst of being single and not wanting to be single. We wonder in the midst of being married and not wanting to be married. We wonder in the midst of a culture that's Messed up a whole lot of times. Sickness, death, broken relationships, unfulfilled hopes and dreams can all cause us to question God, are you still with me? Are you still present? Are you still active in my life? Are, have you forgotten me? Psalm 13, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? I know I've I've said that psalm. I've gone to that psalm probably more than most because I've asked that question in times of pain, struggle, burden, suffering, doubt, fear. All those things can cause us to wonder, God, have you forgotten me? Have you forgotten us? Am I alone here? Am I just going to have to go this one alone? Because you're worried about someone else, something else. Something else is more... My little life isn't worth it. It's hard to be in moments like that. And we see, we know the brokenness of sin in our world. And that can be the lens then that we look at the world through. Maybe, maybe you know people who look at the world through that sort of lens... We have actually a word for them in our culture, right? They're called pessimists. Everything stinks. You know, they're the sort of people that if you say, oh, it's a beautiful sunny day. Yeah, it's too hot. (laughs) Oh, God, God has given us rain. How awesome. Yeah, it's going to cause flooding and landslides. Are you one of those people? Okay, I'm not going to stop my eyes. I'm just going to keep looking around because I know if I look at one of you for too long, you're going to think that I'm calling you a pessimist, all right? I'm just not going to look at anyone for a couple of minutes. But I know the reality is there's some in this room. I've talked to you. Maybe I'm one, so I know I can be one sometimes. Kristen and I have this conversation that sometimes we can just sort of ramp it up. One of us complains about one thing. The other one complains about another thing. Blah, 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 starts to stack up, right? We can do that. I saw this actually in a, uh, uh, a group that I sort of, Didn't really intend to but it came a part of Uh, when when I was in seminary in Michigan We were attending a church that when you went to church on Sunday You dropped your kids off for Sunday school and children's worship and stuff in the morning early and then you um, would come back and uh, Then after they were done was the worship time So you needed something to do during that time And some people just dropped off their kids and went home and had sweet rolls How many of you are a sweet roll family on Sunday morning? You should be a sweet roll. The Elgersma family is a sweet roll. You could go home and do sweet rolls, right? Uh, instead, though, uh, a group of us gathered um, at a local Starbucks. All dads. I don't know. Dads got all the duty of dropping off kids at children's worship. And then they went to Starbucks. And we went to the Starbucks and sat around. And that's where I met Jim. And I didn't like Jim after a couple of weeks. Because it didn't matter what you were talking about. Everything stunk. Now, we were in Michigan, so if you talk sports, of course, yeah, the Lions do stink. I'm sorry, and they, they stink. And I hate the Tigers, so they're horrible, right? Pistons black, all that stuff. I like the University of Michigan. And we would talk about University of Michigan sports. And they weren't doing very well in football. They were doing all right in basketball. Oh, they're doing great. Yeah, but their coach, he's, he's horrible. And they're not going to go far in March Madness. And then we would talk about, because I was, of course, at Calvin. We would talk about Calvin sports. Oh, Calvin beat Hope for the first game of the rivalry. Yeah, but they're going to lose the second game. After a while, it was like, Jim, I don't even want to ask you anything. I don't want to ask you how your wife is doing, because I'm going to find out something horrible happened. I'm going to talk to you about your kids, because you're going to tell me how bad your kids are. And finally it became the sort of thing where we would sit in a circle around and wherever Jim was, maybe you do this, does anyone else do this or is it just me and my warped mind? You come to a place and you look at the circle and you say, I can't sit there, 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 oh there's my spot because I don't want to sit beside those other people. Does anyone else do that? I must be just messed in the head, which I believe I am actually. You try to find, because I didn't want to deal with Jim. I didn't want to see the world in that way, especially because... In 25 minutes, we were going to go to worship. We were going to go give praise to the one who gives us every good gift. We were going to go be with God's people in a place where we knew God's grace and God's love in Jesus Christ. And here's Jim complaining about too many holes in the pavement in Michigan. It just, I, I, I don't want to live like that because my God is a good God. My God is a God of grace and hope and life and love. And even in whatever sort of garbage there is around in this world, there always is garbage. I can see what he's doing first. I can focus. That's my lens. God's giving every good gift. And then I look around and I can see, yeah, you're a bunch of messed up people. And I can see the beautiful ways in which God is showing up in your life and in my life and in this community's life. When we grab that lens, it changes how we see things. John is actually trying to do that by putting this verse in. Where is this verse in the gospel? Where is it? It's at the beginning. He could have put this Later chapter. He could have buried it in the very end. He didn't. He made sure that this part of the gospel, the very beginning, this special little unique passage. Remember we talked about it. We talked about how it was a unique passage. Verses 1 through 18, he put it at the very beginning because he wanted the Jews and the Gentiles, he wanted us to read the entire gospel, the entire story of Jesus through the lens of this is God's great gift to you and you have already been given it, now find out how. Now start learning how he gave you the gift, how he called Jesus, how he told Jesus to go to earth and be born of a Virgin Mary, how he, he, he worked through Jesus doing miracles and ministry, teachings, parables, how he showed the glory of God. What do we say? The glory of God is revealed in the one who God has sent, Jesus Christ. This, John wants everyone who reads the gospel to read it through that lens. So everything that comes after is in light of this truth that we have been ever given every good gift. To see the story of Jesus through this lens of gratitude. It's as if John is saying to the Gentiles and Jews who are reading this and to us, things were and things are a mess. But Christ, this one is real. This Messiah, you may have had your hopes dashed in the past with others who didn't fulfill. This one's real. This is the real thing, real deal. Son of God, come that you might have life. And he's come as the Father's greatest gift to you. You asked for it. Remember Old Testament? How many times in the prophets? How many times in the Psalms? How many times in the history did God's people stand up and implore God? God, come, redeem us. Come, take us out of our sin. Come, take us from our oppression. And God is saying, you asked for it and you got it. Here it is. It's Jesus. He's come. You might have life. And what's interesting is we get this Matthew 7 text, right? Flip over there if you still got it in your Bibles. What does it say there? It says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. This is New Testament teaching. But the Jews were already doing it in the Old Testament, imploring God, send the Messiah. So they're already acting out New Testament, teaching in the Old Testament, and he answers it. He lives into it and says, okay, here's Jesus. The perfect gift has come. Receive him. Acknowledge him. Live into gratitude for him because I gave him to you because I love you. Not just a little. You're my favorite. You're my favorite. So I gave you Jesus. I've I've heard this before. I don't know if it's true. I have no idea. It's impossible to prove. But if there were no other human being on the planet who needed redemption, God would have still sent Jesus for you. That's how much he loves you. It's not just about everyone. It's about you. Insert name here. You. Scott Andre Elgersma. Yes, middle name Andre. Make fun of me as much as you like. Insert your name here. We live in a world where pain and where suffering is real. But Christ is greater than all that. And he is continually active in our world if we have the eyes to see and hearts to receive. You notice the pronoun. I didn't use the pronoun. He is active in the world. He is active in our world. You can even change that. Your world, my world. Yeah, there's garbage around you. Yes, there's marriages that are a mess. Yes, there's children that are hard to parent. Yes, there is sickness in this congregation. Yes, there are jobs that aren't good. Yes, there are businesses failing. Yes, there are relationships with neighbors that are messed up. Yes, there are family issues by the bazillions. Yes, all of those are there. And those, if they consume us, will consume us to the point of death and doubt and fear. We won't know how to function. But the thing is, in all of that stuff, all of that junk, all of that garbage that's going on, Billy Martin is here, and that's a gift of God. That's a beautiful activity of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Billy's story, it's a great story of God showing up. And Brian Distelberg is here. And that's a great story of God's power and redemption here in this place right now. And I can see the junk of all the stuff going on, or I can see Billy, or I can see Brian, or I can see Michelle's story or I can see Laura's story or I can see Jean's story and all those stories are there if I have eyes to see them and give God praise for them. That's the challenge for us because we move to the junk and it's easy especially because Donald Trump exists. It's easy to move to the junk And that makes me crazy sometimes because it can consume me. And I see that and I go, and I'm sorry if you are a Donald Trump supporter. I'm just not and I have a lot of trouble with him. Anyway, we can get consumed by that junk and unfortunately that consumes our relationship with Christ because he says, you're my favorite. I've given you everything. Why are you seeing all this other stuff? I forgave you your sin. I gave you this relationship and that relationship. I brought you to the river. People love you here. They care about you. They pray for you and support you. I gave you that thing in your life that is a huge blessing. Why are you focused on this? Why do you see that? You asked, I showed up. Now, say thank you. With your whole life. Because I gave it to you in the first place. God has given us every good and perfect gift in our lives. If we have eyes to see. And this text reminds us that they've already been given Yeah, you and I, we have things to come, but those are just ripples of the first gift. If you know the gift of Jesus Christ, if you know the grace of Jesus, you already have been given the greatest gift that you could possibly know. And if you do not know the grace of Jesus Christ, that gift is offered. And if you you want to talk about it, come up here. We'll talk about it after the service. Pray with you so that you can know the greatest gift that can be given to you. Everything else after that becomes a ripple gift. The blessings of provision. The blessings of relationship. It all stems from the first gift that you and I have been given for life. God has given us everything if we will but see it. All right. Kristen and I have walked through some challenging times in the last several weeks. Challenging moment. A lot of it has to do with the fact that we've been trying to sell our house. We're trying to move in town here. And it's been a struggle. We've had our house in the market, I think, since November or October. And I married a woman who is an incredible, incredible woman. Incredible woman. Make sure if she asks, because she's not here this morning, I said she's an incredible woman. All right? But she comes with the Dutch genes. I I believe it's Dutch, but I think it could be much broader than that. That when people are coming over to your house, your house has to be clean. Does anyone else have those genes? Chris Knightum is like, yes, that's me. If someone's coming over to your house, your house has to be clean. Well, we've been trying to sell our house. That means people are coming over to our house all the time means our house always needs to be clean. I have an 11-year-old boy who cannot take off his clothes in one small area. It's an explosion. It's impossible to keep our house clean. But we have, and Kristen has done an absolute incredible job of it. But it's been driving us crazy. And every time someone comes through the house and doesn't want to buy our house, we take it personally. Why don't people like us? They don't want to buy our house. What did we do wrong? Are we not good enough? It, it becomes a really challenging. But then add to that the fact that during showings, we have two very active dogs. Very active dogs. Well, We can't leave the dogs at the house. There's no place at the house to put them. But there is a place that they can go. And that's the back seat of my car while I drive through the neighborhood during a showing. <laughs> I love that. It's really fun. Shadow, our one dog, has this fixation on my ear while I drive. Sniff, sniff, lick, 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 lick. Shadow, get out of here. And they shed. My whole back seat is hairy. It's just hair everywhere. And I can give a drive home to anyone they want after church. So we're in the midst of all of this, and literally last week we shut it down. We said, okay. God, we thought you were calling us to sell our house. We thought you were calling us to go down this road. It's clear we've been rejected. Everyone hates us. They hate our house. We're horrible people. This is not something that you want us to do. We're going to shut it down. We told our real estate agent, we're done. That was right when we had received an offer. But it was a horrible offer. It was like they were trying to basically steal my house. So we said, we're done. We're done. No more. So we go to sleep that night. We're feeling, okay, well, we're done with this. All right. Sort of bummer. We had some dreams, hopes. Next morning, we wake up. We get a text from our real estate agent halfway through the day. Okay, the people came back. They said they're giving you a full price offer. That's pretty good. (laughs) And then yesterday, we went and we... Looked around at some houses and we put an offer on one. And we're going to find out later today whether we got it. But see, the problem was, we made a decision to end this and say, God didn't want us to do this while well, the dogs were still in the back seat of my car. The junk was still going on. The stuff was blinding me from seeing that God's got stuff that he's doing. I just have to wait for it. I'm focused on shadow licking my ear when God is waiting for the right timing to say, here, here's my gift, take it from me. Folks, some of you are in a place where right now you still got your dogs in your back seat. You're waiting, you're wondering, when are you gonna show up, Lord? But I'm telling you this, you have already in Jesus Christ been given every good and perfect gift you could ever need. He has already shown up and he will continue to show up to show you his love, to show you his life, his purpose, his hope, his beauty. Put on those glasses and see the world through that lens, that lens that God is the giver of every good thing. The other junk is always there. It's always there. It always will be there. But see what he has given you. And live into that life of thankfulness for the gift. A life that screams to Jesus, Thank you! Thank you. Let's pray. You are the giver of every good gift, and for that we are incredibly grateful, Lord God. Move our hearts to live into that place of gratitude. Move our minds to see past the struggles that we face, to see beyond the burdens, the fears, the doubts, the anger that we sometimes have. To see beyond the struggles that are always there. Not only in our lives, but those around us and in the world that we live in. And help us instead to see the beautiful little places where you are doing your good work of redemption. Where you're showing us your story. And your story is a good one. One filled with life and hope. Help us to have eyes to see that, ears to hear that, and then a response then of love, gratitude, thanksgiving to you for what you've done, what you are doing, what you will do, that, Lord, we can show the world what you've done in our hearts matters, and we want others to know you too. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.